that's direct response. And then you have like SEO copywriting, which is when, and I've, <laughs> I worked with a client who had their whole website written by an SEO copywriter. And so you're using, you know, the, the words to, so Google picks up on it, but then what happens is if Google recognizes the website, okay, great. So they get people to the site, then what happens? You know, so the SEO, the copy was written in such a way, because I ended up redoing his whole site for him. Mm. And it, I mean, we include as a conversion copywriter, I include some of the SEO keywords, but it's not based completely on that. It's want to cause no problems. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, but you know when you see imposters. We know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you want to talk, let's talk, but around here, make sure you're walking, your talk is constant. Well, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Death to Vanilla podcast. And I have an awesome guest on today. Uh, she's going to give her perspective on marketing differently and just doing things differently that's helped her get noticed and just her different uh, approach to copywriting. So she's got a company called Copyworks. Her name is Lynn Malone, and she has taken the next half hour to be able to share with us, and we're excited. So thank you, Linda, for being on the show. Appreciate you uh, jumping on today. I appreciate it. It's going to be fun. Cool. So tell us a little bit more about Copyworks. The Copyworks is, I'm a con certified conversion copywriter. Um, I spent about 20 years doing content writing before I became a copywriter. And so I did a lot of print sort of writing uh, for a lot of the magazines until everything tanked in the late, like around 2008. Then I I had an online business, which taught me about writing for an online business, especially since I really didn't know what I was doing at that time. There's a huge difference between the content and copywriting. And I had to learn all of that. And I was so intrigued by copywriting and especially from a B2B business perspective that I said, why not just go all in on this? And here I am. <laughs> so so you've, you've turned your back on content writing but i haven't turned my back on it it's just it's a part of what i do <laughs> right hey we need both you know and there is an overlap but content is really for it's more for informational and entertainment purposes and it doesn't um it's more for brand building when you have copywriting it's really for revenue um and it's just to get people to take action and to say yes to your offer basically especially with conversion copywriting Right. Well, and way to lead into the question, right? Good job. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, because like, you know, my knowledge of copywriting is is pretty rudimentary, um, ended up picking up a book on it a while ago, and just was super fascinated by just like the human psychology element. Um, and just like, just the years of like this art and science developing uh, to where it is now. Um, especially as it's been repurposed throughout the years from, you know, newspapers to magazines to billboards to now online and, you know, the, the consumer attention span is lower. So you've got to like say more in less time and be more convincing and there's more noise and all these other things uh, are added on. So like I kind of like know that there's copywriting as a whole, but you specialize in conversion copywriting. So I'd love to hear more about what how that's different than mm -hmm. other kinds of copywriting well there's overlap with all of them and there's some people that say that conversion copywriting is bogus it's a term that was established by joanna weeb who is the founder of copy hackers she was uh, my coach and so 
she worked for a lot of SaaS companies and was calling her style of copywriting conversion-focused copywriting, and she abbreviated to conversion copywriting. Long story short, now she has a certified, I'm certified through her, so that's why I say certified. Um, but it is really focused on getting your prospect to say yes to your offer. So everything I write is geared to, it's not necessarily revenue producing, but usually it is, but it's either say yes to your webinar, yes to your, uh, if you have lead magnets, um, you know, anything that requires somebody to take action. And so it's um, versus something like direct response, which is what it's compared mostly to. Direct response, those are the ads you see all over the place. They're not, they don't take into account a lot of the things that conversion copywriting takes into account. So and we can, we'll get into that in a little while, but it's, it's like if you see a Burger King ad or any ad like that, it just, it's a blanket ad. I mean, whoever sees it, sees it. If it attracts you, it does, but they don't take into account the customer like conversion copywriting does. You know, it's, it's not driven by data. It's just out there. So that's direct response. And then you have like SEO copywriting, which is when, and I, <laughs> I worked with a client who had their whole website written by an SEO copywriter. And so you're using, you know, the, the words to, so Google picks up on it. But then what happens is if Google recognizes the website, okay, great. So they get people to the site, then what happens? You know, so the SEO the copy was written in such a way because I ended up redoing his whole site for him. Mm. And it, I mean, we include as a conversion copywriter, I include some of the SEO keywords, but it's not based completely on that. It's usually pretty obvious when a site is really SEO, like the same phrase is used over and over, mm, but you right. want it to convert. So everything I do is geared toward conversions. Okay. No, I think that makes, that makes some good sense. Um, so, and then, you know, copywriting for people who are just like less familiar with it, right? Because like for me, like, you know, it was a little bit of like a, a mystery box, if you will, when I was first getting into it. And so just to kind of like sum it up a little bit, like copywriting is essentially just like crafting words to be persuasive in some sort of way. Is that, is that like maybe an oversimplification, but it, that's essentially what it is? It's part of it. I mean, okay. the, the biggest difference is the research that goes into it. So it's not um, it's not about finding the best combination of words as it is finding your customer's words. Mm. So, for example, when I start working with a, a new client, I take four to six weeks just for the research to dig into their customer, their competitors, who's saying you know, what they're saying on social media about this particular product or service or the related one, you know, something similar to it. And right. then I start pulling quotes from, and I, I speak to customers, you know, in interviews. So I get firsthand accounts of, you know, that's the hardest part to get because people don't want to talk usually. It takes right. a while, but um, you get the best information that way. So everything I write has to be backed by either analytics or something somebody said to me. And there are times when I'm writing something and I think this sounds really good. And then I ask myself, did somebody say this? Would somebody say this? If the answer is no, I have to can it. You know, you have to put your ego aside. But that's the difference, you know, when you're writing within a company, somebody asked me recently, like, is there a disadvantage or disadvantage to writing to a copywriter that works in, within an agency? 
And the problem is when you're in the, the whole environment of that company, it's a different perspective. You know, you need that outside person to take a look and say, okay, this is, you know, your customers are saying this, but you guys think it's this. And so it's, it's a whole different way of coming about, you know, coming up with like a uh, value proposition and that, which is the basis of all the copy, you know, what differentiates you. Right. I guess the irony in all of that is that you would think that someone who's inside the company would know all those things, but if they did, they probably wouldn't be having the issues they're having with their copy converting. <laughs> so it's um, as odd as it seems to bring in the outside perspective, I'm sure on some level, like if they were getting, if they were doing the research they needed to do, they wouldn't be having those problems. So that's, and they just may not even have the systems and processes in place that you do to do that, which right. I think is really good. Um, that makes so much sense. I, I literally was watching um, a video the other day and the guy was talking about like how he does uh, Q&A shows specifically for the purpose of like getting direct question and answer stuff that he's able to use for content later on. He's like, he's like, it's not that I'm not consuming content is that I'm consuming it from the source as opposed to watching someone else's podcast or someone else's work or something like that. Because you have no idea like if they did any research to talk about the things that they talked about. And that's where you're talking about, you know, you do your own research. So that way you're able to craft the words the right way using the customer's words, which is so powerful because uh, that's yeah. that's how it resonates. Yeah. A lot of times I'll be interviewing somebody and they'll say something where right away I know that is going to end up in a headline because it's so like a eureka moment. And right. they don't even know they've said it usually, you know, they'll just say <laughs> something about the product and, or service. And I'm like, okay. And I make a note because I'll record it and I'll just make a note where that was. And That's you know, awesome. it's, it's, you just get the best information because there's a, there's a saying, and I forget, I read this somewhere. It's not for me, but about how companies inhale their own fumes, you know, like mm. everyone's patting themselves on the back for having coming up with a great line or some great copy when actually they're just, they're in this, their own little ecosystem and they're not really, you know, considering the research like I, I do. And even when they do research, and this is the other thing, I've had companies say to me, you know, we've done all the research, but the research is done for a, a specific reason. When I do research, I'm looking for something that they're not looking for. And so they can give me the surveys and the statistics and all the analytics from, you know, Google Analytics. And I mean, it helps and I definitely use it, but it still comes down to talking to people. It always does. For sure. Well, like you said, it's that magic phrase that they say that ends up becoming the uh, the catalyst for a title rather than just like the data points, right. you know, which like you said are helpful, but like that doesn't help the language of um, the person. I remember your post on that. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> it's like we did all the research for you. <laughs> We've done all the research. Like, sure, I've yeah. had that happen with with big companies too, and it's and yeah. they dump all this research on me, and it's it's interesting, but it's still I'm not finding what I need in it, and it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. Consider how the volume of it. The more people I talk to, the more I realize that the the uh, intimidation factor that I have set up in my own mind, no one no one forced me. I set it up myself. Um, that somehow big businesses have it all together is just simply not true. And so <laughs> for all the creators out there who are intimidated by working with big companies, 
they need just as much help as anyone else. Um, one would think they don't need it because they could hire all the talent they need, but they do. And, uh, I think a lot of it boils down to the politics inside the departments, but that's uh, a whole nother discussion. (laughs) That's a rabbit (laughs) trail right there. So to double back, you had made an interesting comment about, um, uh, direct response being kind of just like general and just kind of like whoever sees it, sees it. Um, but there was something, you know, when we were, when we were talking before we started this podcast about, um, conversion copywriting being a little bit more considerate, a little more strategic in how it's done. And so you would use the phrase, um, uh, you know, stages of awareness, I believe is what it was. And so uh, dive in a little bit about like how you work with that concept to be able to formulate the proper structure or words or what have you for your copywriting. Well, there's five stages of decision awareness. So this means where the person is in their decision-making process. So when they get to your site, where are they? The first stage is unaware. Usually you won't even hear from these people because this is someone who doesn't, and I always use the analogy of a fitness person, somebody who is out of shape, has an awful diet and doesn't care. They're unaware. You're not gonna get them if you sell a fitness product because they're not in pain, which is the second stage, which is pain aware. That's where people start looking for a solution They're like okay it's january 2nd it's time <laughs> this is the year you know i'm right. going to do that marathon get in shape and so they start looking for a solution the third phase uh, uh, level of awareness is a solution aware so now they know there's a solution out there and so that maybe they're looking at your solution they're comparing it they're making charts they're you know doing all their research and then product aware is they're aware of your solution but they're not quite sure it's for them. And so the final stage is where it's the best stage, which is most aware they're like, okay, this is, you know, your product is what they want. And now it's just a matter of what kind of, do you have payment plans? How am I gonna afford this? Are there, is there any you know, kind of guarantee? So then they're actually looking into how to get that, you know, get the actual product. Well, it's interesting is you can go from, there's situations where you go from unaware to most aware which would be like, you get home and your house is flooded. Okay. Mm. So you're not going to go shopping around for a plumber. You are going to just, you know, you're suddenly like, I I need somebody right now. You're going to get somebody. And so you just jump from not even thinking about your plumbing in your house. I always love that analogy because you don't think about it at all until it's there. And you just, um, you can jump over all those levels. But the whole thing with writing for, each level of awareness is that, especially with a long form sales page, people complain, oh, these pages are so long, but what they do, the psychology behind it is to move people through each stage, except for the unaware. So you start with pain aware. And so there's formulas that are, you know, the most popular one is the pain, um, agitation, and then solution, PAS formula. And so the copy would address that pain. And so if it's a fitness, because I used to have a fitness business. So it would be something about, and it, it's, you have to really know how to handle it. And again, it's about using the words your customers are using or potential customers. You don't want to make them feel bad, but you want them to remember why they're there. So it's right. like, you know, tired of laying on the floor, trying to zip up your pants and, you know, or just describe the scene like this. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I used to have a lot of my copy. Um, and then it's also the imagery that you need. And 
the things that I found is that people don't like the ones where you're trying to zip up your pants. I mean, it's just embarrassing and it's, it's kind of humiliating. So I would put like a stack of jeans with an apple on top. That was one of the images that was successful. So you hit the pain point and then you agitate a little bit like, okay, so if you let this go, where you're going to be next year and you start really getting into how it's going to affect their life. And then you present the solution. So as you go through it, you're taking them, you know, through, as your copy goes on, you're taking them through these different levels. And then they realize, okay, there's a solution. You have a product. And then the more it's further down the page, okay, this sounds like it's for me. And so that's why there's a whole sequence of events that has to happen in the copy, you know, just to bring them through those different levels. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've literally felt the exact same way. And in fact, the, the funny thing is, is, when you talk about like using the proper language and connecting with people, all I can think about, and, and maybe this is completely random, but like all I can think about is like the comedians who like have like the situational humor where like everyone's like, oh, like I totally have that happen to me too. And it's like, cause like so many comedians talk about being overweight and, and just like how relatable that ends up being because of like, they're experiencing the same problems they have. Like, I forget the one guy was talking about like, how the uh, untucked dress shirt was the last uh, fat man's last stand and stuff like that. And it's just <laughs> funny because like everyone's been there where like, they're like, I guess I'm untucking the shirt. Um, and it sounds uh, like Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> it, um, I think it was. <laughs> it totally was. He's yeah. so freaking funny. So anyway, yeah. so yeah, so that makes sense. But like you talked about, there's also like that, that ego thing that you uh, have to balance a little bit as well. And I think, you know, that, you know, we, we didn't talk about talking about this, but this, that kind of your example of even the wrong imagery just goes back to fact that like, this is not just like a one and done type service that there's like some like massaging and optimizing that has to happen. So, so for example, you use the example of um, choosing a different image, but what are some other things that like might have to get like shuffled around for it to like fully work, right? Cause you have a, a fat page of content, right? And right. then, you're going through and figuring out you know, like where am I losing people or stuff like that? Like what kind of other things you were like massaging and optimizing? Well, the number one thing is the headline, you know, that okay. on a landing page or a homepage, it would be called the hero section. So that's the big piece of real estate on the top of the page that has to capture attention. That's where I spend most of my time, whether it's an email subject line, headline, um, a hero section, because if people don't, stop and read it, they're not going to read anything more. Um, 80% of people like skim. I, I do um, just because they don't know if it, this product is for them. I'm not going to read every word. I mean, some people do, but you know, they're right. psychopaths. No, I don't know if they're psychopaths, but they're <laughs> <laughs> they have more weird. time than you and I do have, you know, on our hands, apparently. <laughs> but what happens is the, you know, the copy should have eye catching, what they have cross, they call them crossheads, which are, some people call them subheadings, but that's actually below the crosshead. So you wanna have and pop out some of the quotes that are eye-catching, statistics that are shocking. So that when someone looks at the page, so say they read the headline and then they're gonna stop at the, at the quotes that are pulled out, the images that they're gonna review it. Then if that captures their attention, they'll go back and start reading a smaller print. And so the page has to be geared for all these different, they're different, decision makers you know there's, there's people who scan people who read like i just said there's a bunch of there's different categories of them which 
I don't know all of them offhand, but there's people who look like humanitarian people who just look for, um, they're, they're attracted to pictures of people, family photos, maybe, you know, and something that it's like the, their lifestyle. Right. Um, there's others who are really want the statistics, you know, the SaaS companies. I mean, a lot of people who are looking for a SaaS product are really interested in, you know, show me the numbers kind of thing. You just have to know your audience. But but you you structure the page in such a way that it draws the eye through, you know, I mean, if you have a solid block of text, no one's going to read that. <laughs> but it seems to be the, the trend, especially with websites lately, is very little text. I'm, you know, I'm having my website redone as we speak. It'll be launched on Monday. And it's, I'm having a hard time just like, okay, we have to sum this up. We have, we have space for one sentence right here. And that right. takes, it's harder to do that than it is to just drone on and on. But yeah, yeah. you want to capture people visually with the, the page. Yeah, I think the ironic thing for me is that what seems to be good copywriting is the exact opposite of everything I learned in school. Cause like in school, you're like, write big paragraphs and like, like, you know, all this other stuff. And then like you learn copywriting, it's like, say it shorter, no shorter, no shorter. Okay. Now turn it into bullet points. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> because like you said, you're, you're arranging it for skimming. You're arranging it for people who are like, you know, like when you sit down and read a book, like you've done that on purpose. Like you want to read it, even though I just read the other day that like most, like a lot of people don't get past the first chapter, but um yeah but uh you know it's it's still more intentional like this is kind of something where like someone eh, maybe not as intentional and so that like you said they're trying to figure out if it's for them and so they got to figure out real quick and so you know a nice nice couple paragraphs isn't going to do it for them <laughs> it's just not fast enough right. um right. but you know that's not what you're taught in school so it's uh definitely a mindset shift for sure um yeah I so say i say that one of my one of my viral posts on LinkedIn was when I said how Grammarly can ruin your copy. And I, it mm. just, I didn't realize people really rely on Grammarly. And I had people that were pretty angry with me, <laughs> but I said that it doesn't take into account slang. It doesn't mm. take into account the way people really talk. And, and they add words like I'm constantly fighting Grammarly because it pops up on, you know, and, and I like that it catches the typos. I mean, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. But there are times when I just want to just turn it off and then I'll inevitably get a typo and go, I guess I should turn it back on. But, but it's not always right is my point. Right. I've never even used it. So I, I couldn't tell you, but I know some people live and die by it. So. <laughs> I find that Google Docs has a uh, spell checker, so I'm not too worried about it. But yeah. um, interesting. That's so funny. People get offended by that stuff. Uh, <laughs> people get offended by everything, don't they? That's true. That's true. <laughs> How dare you tell me something I'm doing is not working? Um, so, okay. So the last thing I wanted to hit before we run out of time here is something that um, I think I've only really heard you talk about, or at least use the phrase that you've used for it, which is market sophistication. Um, it's something, yeah, like I said, people just don't talk about it very much. And I think it's very important. So talk to us a little bit about what market sophistication is and like what people are really missing out on by not taking that seriously. There's high and low levels of market sophistication. So a low level of market sophistication is if you sell a product or service that people have not heard of 
or it's new, or it's a new version of something that is very unfamiliar. And then a high level, I mean, think about, you know, fitness equipment. Again, I always go back to that because I'm just so familiar with it. But if you're selling a treadmill, I mean, there's hundreds of treadmills out there. So that's a high level of market sophistication. Low level would be something like when Peloton came out. So Hmm. there were all these stationary bikes, but Peloton separated itself out from the pack because it was very different. People weren't familiar with it. And the reason it's important is a couple of things. One is if you are in, you're selling something that's in a high level of sophistication, like say you're a website developer and I've worked with, with some of um, some people that, that do that, it's harder to differentiate yourself. So this is where what I do and the research I do really comes in, into play because I will dig until I find why you're different and better than your competitors. And the other thing is when it comes to copy, if you have a new product, like you can also think about like um, battery powered cars versus gas powered. Most of us are more familiar with gas powered cars. So if it's a electric, you're selling an electric car, you need to explain more. There's a lot more for that mm-hmm. person to learn. So if you're selling a product on your site and they're not familiar with it, you have to go into more detail with the copy. You can't just hit them up with what it is here, buy this. Well, I don't know anything about it. So there's mm-hmm. a lot more explaining. So those two things really come into play with the copy. Okay. And then also um, you can tell by the number of competitors, how saturated the market is. So if you put something out there and you go and you know, you have, million competitors so that's a high level of market sophistication and high saturation so it's just harder and people who do that a lot of times i find with clients or people who are considering hiring me they i ask them well how are you different and they have no idea Mm -hmm. i mean you have to start with that because if you don't know why you're different and why you're better how are you going to sell your product and it could just be that the niche is a little bit different like with me, even with as a conversion copywriter, there's a million copywriters out there. So I wanted to specialize. And so I niched down to conversion copywriter. And I wanted to make sure I was good. I did, you know, I became certified. And when I was certified through Copy Hackers, they told me I was the first person in two years to become certified because you have to go through this process where you have to submit all this copy for approval by their mm. team. And so I had to do Facebook ads, landing pages, home pages, uh, long form sales page. And it all had to be approved and critiqued before they said, okay, you know, you're, you're certified. Um, so that's what I did to differentiate myself, but you have to do that in, in a field like, like this. For sure. So it's not, so it's, so it's like a mix of things. Like part of it is that it's the differentiation part that's harder if if the market sophistication is higher but it's also just so i get okay so i guess that's the seesaw it's a high level of market sophistication the difficulty is differentiating yourself if it's a low level it's properly educating someone to the point where they can start it's almost like creating the need in a lot right. of ways like when the first you know, iPhone came out and it's like, well, like, it's really cool, but like, do I need to touch the screen? And then if like, yes, I do. <laughs> Cause right. it's awesome. Right. Um, but yeah, it was like the first <laughs> thing. And it was like having an app store was like a really big deal. Brand new concept. Um, 
you know, that's why the, you know, like on Steve Jobs keynote is like, there's an app for that. There's an app for that. There's an app for that because it was like reinforcing that idea over and over in the head of like, Hey, this is a new concept. Think of something. There's an app for it. And so, um, so I'm assuming that like for like the low sophistication type things, there's like, is does your copy end up being longer or does it just like take different shape or is there just a higher volume of different kinds of content that help in getting people educated or how does that typically work in that situation? I mean, it's usually more copy, but think about like the unaware because it's almost like you're, you're trying to sell or address people who are unaware. So, you know, I talked about that in the levels of awareness. And so that's someone who they don't even know that they need what you have. So now you have to start really. I mean, they probably, like you said, with the iPhone, so people are interested, but I don't know, you know, is this going to take off? Like when the internet first came into fruition, which I'm old enough to remember, <laughs> I remember like what, um, what is, you know, what's a social network? I remember interviewing mm. somebody for that. I mean, and, and so, Dang. and back then it's like, oh, you know, who needs a website? What company needs a website? So <laughs> that you have to establish it. And the first couple of companies to come out with that, like Peloton now has a ton of competitors. It's like, okay, so they start like Bowflex now has a subscription and Peloton sales are down because now everyone's copying them. But to pave the way is really hard. So mm -hmm. it's a matter of educating and it depends. I think you'd probably have to come at it with a, a, a number of different angles, like really get active on social media. You know, you're going to have to probably, you know, do some paid ads, do you have to do more like iPhone or Apple just has to say, Hey, we, we have a new iPhone coming out tomorrow. And they'd have lines out the door that people don't even ask questions. I don't care. It's like, <laughs> I have an iPhone 10. And every time I see the iPhone 13 commercial, I'm like, I'm like three incarnate incarnations behind. I have to get on the stick. I don't even know what's the difference. I don't even care. You know, I have so. an eight, so <laughs> I'm so behind. <laughs> I'm like the version they're they're gonna like start just like not even supporting anymore soon. Okay. Well, I mean, I think um, when you were when describing some of that, it just makes me think of the fact that is it just that like people. Like, cause when we talk, when you talked about like the pain, uh, the, the, was it pain something solution? I don't remember it. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is it just that the people don't even know that they have that pain? And then, so that's what you're trying to like actually help them see for the first time. I mean, if they don't, if they don't feel like they have a problem to help somebody see it is really a losing battle. You really, you know, it's it, when I think about, you know, people who, you know, I'd go walking around and my husband would say, oh, that person looks like they're out of shape. They could use your help. I said, I'm the last person that they want to hear from. They don't care. You're like, they, you know, and even at the gym. So I worked and I was getting paid at the gym or even with my personal training clients when I was doing personal training, these people are paying me a hundred bucks an hour and I'm telling them how to do something and they're arguing with me. Mm. And it, it's like, you, you know, people don't like being told what to do, even when they're paying you to do it, they don't like being told. So they have to have some level of willingness to listen to you or right. you're not going to get anywhere and it's just going to be a losing battle. So they have to be <laughs> willing to hear you out, consider, you know, that's, that's kind of an inside job. There's really nothing you can, you can do to, you know, force somebody. For sure. Because, you know, yeah, that wouldn't be good. 
that's why every business got to find the right kind of clients because <laughs> yeah, know. it's uh I always say, uh, like for me, like business just always goes back to relationships and it's like, have you ever tried to convince someone to date you? It usually doesn't go well. And so (laughs) like someone's going to get frustrated, mad, and even if it does work, it won't last. And so uh, I feel like for business, it's the same kind of way where it's like, if you try to like force someone to love what you're doing or force someone to try to see a pain point or whatever else like it's just ultimately going to be frustrating ineffective and you know not work so why why even try yeah and i've tried that at the beginning when i first started doing copywriting i tried doing some cold pitching and it was i would do research on the company wouldn't be just hey a blanket you know email but it was never i mean i i ended up getting two clients that way, but it was only because I was the right place at the right time. You know, mm. if they don't feel like I would go on a website and I'd say, okay, I can make, you know, I can make this better. And I would send them a short video. Like this is you know, what I would do. They didn't ask for that though. So yeah. I rarely got a response. It, it could be the worst website in the world. And I've seen some pretty bad ones. If people don't see a problem, like say they're selling things like crazy, they don't, you know, they don't see like, well, what are you going to do for me kind of thing? So you could sell more. <laughs> what? Said you could sell more. <laughs> like I know, but I did that the other day on LinkedIn. I talked about how people, um, you can't force somebody or convince somebody to see your value. They need yeah. to see it and feel it themselves. True There's no, no shortcut to that. You can cool. arm wrestle them. Maybe that would work. I don't know. I haven't tried I would that. win. I would win. So maybe that's my new technique. Um, <laughs> I've taken down some big dudes. So uh, that, w- that would be awesome. Um, not, I'm not funny. afraid of a man who spends all day in a suit. So um, <laughs> um, cool. So let me let me finish up with just some like more like fun, rapid fire questions. If you if you don't mind, just like fun stuff about Uh-oh. you. So uh, tell us uh one book that you're reading right now whether it's business or otherwise that you are thoroughly enjoying oh it's funny that you say that uh where the crawdads sing that I've heard has of that. been i would see it on um amazon it has like twenty five thousand five-star reviews and i saw a commercial the other day they are coming out with a movie okay and i ended up starting to listen to the audio and i'm reading it and i'm completely engrossed and it's been a while since that's happened so it's Man, fiction. that is that is sounding so familiar what's that about well i just started it so it's um but it's this uh family this this young girl who's very poor her mother left her father is awful um and so she's trying to make her way and in the meantime it's kind of two stories going on they found uh, there's a homicide this young boy was found in a lake and that's the commercial that I saw. And I didn't even start reading the book before I saw that commercial. I said, I, I, that looks like it's that book I bought that I never read. And so it's, it's well-written and it's really good. Nice. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, assuming you haven't seen it yet, what is your most uh, anticipated movie of 2022 that you're wanting to watch? Probably the new Top Gun, Maverick. Mm. I've heard it's I've so seen- good. I've heard it's crazy good. Like, and I am not really a go to the movie theater kind of person, mm. but 99% on Rotten Tomatoes and people saying that 
there are kids standing up in their chairs cheering at the end. Dang. I've got to see this. So, yeah. I mean, that I mean, that's a challenge. That's a that's a classic. Um, <laughs> I have that in VHS in my in my house. That's uh, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, cool. Yeah, that movie. I like it. And um, let's see here. You live here in Arizona where I live. So t- what is your favorite restaurant? Assuming you go out. We haven't gone out here yet. Cause it's only been two months we've been here. And, um, so I don't know. Dang. You don't have a, like a hotspot yet. Okay. All right. No, we're looking. In fact, we were just talking about that. My husband and I, um, he said, we haven't gone out to dinner yet. Let's pick a place. So he's a big steak guy and I don't eat meat. I eat fish. So he said, okay, we'll find a steakhouse that serves fish, which they do. Sure. I mean, I would say that's so I'm not going up to Phoenix. All right. Ask for your advice, but I'm not traveling that far for dinner. <laughs> that's fair that's fair well cool well thank you so much for being on the show really really appreciate it thank you for opening up our minds to the world of uh, conversion copywriting um being able to talk through you know you know you know because i i just like look at everything from a content perspective you know just creating content that is able to meet people at each stage of the decision process uh being able to create content that you know whether visual or written that is able to get people on the right track and, and understanding where they're coming from, right? Whether it's they're completely clueless about it or that they know a lot about it uh, and being able to take that into account and do the research to do that. So thank you. Those are all super helpful. Um, thank you. And so, yeah, thanks for having being on the show. <laughs> thanks so much for having me on. I wanna cause no problems. I just wanna live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, but you know when you see imposters. We know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you wanna talk, let's talk, but around here, make sure you walk and your talk is constant.